This week, my guest is Chris Knuth of APAC ATI. Sit tight because you don't want to miss it. Welcome to Ratchet and Wrench Radio, strategies and inspiration for auto care success. I'm your host, Chris Jones, where today I'm joined by Chris Knuth. Chris is the founder of the nonprofit APAC ATI. And if you joined us last week, you heard from Mitch Moncur, who shared space in the November feature article, Talent Cultivators, with Chris Knuth when we talked about the training of technicians. As you may recall from last week, Mitch talked about how he trained high school age apprentices into technicians. And today we're going to talk to Chris about how he finds his technicians and trains them. He has a very unique approach that I believe will solve not just problems in the automotive industry, but will solve problems in society. So without further ado, here's Chris to talk about APAC ATI. Well, hey, Chris, welcome to Ratchet and Ridge Radio. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself and then, of course, your time in the industry. Yeah, my name is Chris Knuth. Um, I've been a shop owner since 2007. And uh, I got into the industry in 1997. Actually, I forced my way into the industry in 1997. Um, and that's part of the reason uh, why I, I started our training program is because I, I, I noticed I had my own firsthand experience with how hard it is to get hired as a technician without experience. So I worked most of my career in independent repair shops. Um, I started my own uh, business back in 2007. Uh, we had a week to week lease in the shop that we were renting. And um, when we were told that we had to move, um, I ended up getting the opportunity to buy Star Motors. And um, we bought it at the end of 2008. And uh, we've been working on growing that business, growing the team, growing our influence in the community and in the industry uh, all the years up to now. Very good. So tell us the, you know, the logistics of the shop, you know, how many bays, how many square feet, what's the size of your staff? Kind of give us some of the, the particulars. Sure. So we've moved um, a couple of different times as I've owned Star Motors, as it's grown. We started out in a four bay, um, just really small little location. And then now we have 12 bays um, our shop is 10,000 square feet and we have 11 employees. So you and I crossed paths when we worked on the October issue, you know, worked on our, our feature, which was called talent cultivators, where we talked to you about, you have a very unique way of locating and training talent through your nonprofit called APAC ATI. Can you talk to us a little bit about how that began? Yeah. So back in 2014, we introduced the star motors apprentice program. Uh, we, I noticed, I guess, kind of early on that good technicians were getting harder and harder to find as um, a lot of the technicians that had been in the industry for a long time started to retire. And I wasn't seeing a lot of new talent coming in, uh, coming into shops. Um, and so we decided to start growing our own technicians. And of course, um, we just worked with what we had and that was our own experience. And so um, over the years, we'd have one or two apprentices at a time. Some of them would stick with us um, for a number of years and work and grow. And then others would come in and decide that maybe working on cars sounds 
cooler than actually doing it. Um, and, and then they would come and go for various reasons. And then in 2020, when the, the COVID pandemic lockdown started to happen, I really had time to, to think about how we could do this in, in just a better way, right? A more efficient way. How, how can we take, instead of two years, how, how could we do it in under a year? And I just started thinking about um, what we had done so far. And my shop foreman, uh, Patrick Williams, he's been working with me since, I think I had owned the business maybe three months and Patrick came on in 2009. And him and I have grown together. You know, he's worked there for a number of years. Um, when I started out, I was working in the shop. We, we were working in the shop together. And so as we trained apprentices, we were always, you know, talking and, and you know, having those late night conversations about how to do this better. And um, also my travels had taken me to Uganda and I started a program over there called APAC Africa. And we wanted to train technicians over there. And so since travel was restricted, I had a lot of time on my hands. And so I just came up with this concept of an immersion style training program. Uh, I looked at different things that I knew didn't work that great. Um, my own personal experience with hiring people right out of technical school is they didn't have the hands-on experience yet. They had the theoretical knowledge and that was about it. So it, it still took them a year to get up to speed um, and sometimes longer than that. So I wanted to just take what I knew didn't work, distill what we had found did work. And that's how this program was, was born. That's so cool. Like the fact that you were able to boil things down to really what's going to benefit and get you guys up and running much faster and much more streamlined. Um, talk about finding that talent. Where are you pulling talent from? Yeah. So here's another thing that I just looked around our industry. Um, I started uh, being involved in peer groups and coaching groups in, since uh, really 2009. And so through all these years, I've watched uh, my colleagues, other shop owners out there, you know, uh, stocking uh, high schools and, and, and job fairs and, and all kinds of stuff in, in community colleges. And I, I kept seeing them come up empty handed every time. And not only did they come up empty handed, they were just getting more and more discouraged. You know, we, I, I feel that as, as a society and as a culture here in the US, um, the last 20 years, the push has been to get um, all high school kids to go to a, a university, right? Get a college degree, get a get a job in uh, finance or tech or or what have you. And automotive just started to look like you know it wasn't a great career path. And that's a lot of that's our own fault, I believe. We we haven't really been out there telling people what a great opportunity this is for people. And so, again, I took what wasn't working, which was just, you know, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And as I was developing the program, I was thinking, you know, who out there would be motivated to work? Because that's what I, I was hearing a lot in the industry as well. It's like you bring people on and they don't want to work and they're not motivated. And, and um, you know, what can we do to, to motivate and get, get our teams more productive? And so I thought, hmm, well, you know, veterans was, was actually the first group of people that I thought of, because when 
in the military and in active duty, there's a lot of structure. There's um, there's camaraderie. There's a lot of, you know, you wake up and you know what you're going to be doing for the day. You have people around you that support you. And then after having a few years of that and then trying to transition into a civilian career, I've noticed that we're leaving a lot of veterans behind. There, there are, you know, mental health issues. There's, there's just a lot of concerns that I, I have personally of how our veterans are, are being treated, what opportunities they have. And I was thinking, gosh, you know, an auto repair shop has a lot of that. If a shop's set up right, it has structure. It has that camaraderie. We have our, you know, our teammates. We're working on a common goal, which is taking care of the customer and repairing the car correctly the first time. So I thought it would be a great fit for, for veterans. Um, I also thought about all the people that were being released from um, from prison. You know, even again during COVID, there were lots and lots of people uh, paroled, and I started looking into that, and I found that opportunities for those on parole and those that have been incarcerated really was terrible. Uh, there's a, a place in Orange County here where they parolees can go and do day labor sorting paper clips. And I thought, wow, what, what a waste of, of talent and how hard it must be to finally feel like you have a second chance at life and then there's no opportunity. You know, I started looking into recidivism and, and how many people are going back to prison and reoffending. And again, I thought a lot of these people probably have uh, worked in the skilled labor trades or they have family members who own shops and all this. And that's what I found. I found that they're also a great fit. And trust me, that pipeline is inexhaustible. I mean, there are plenty of people to fill the jobs that we need to fill. And then again, I'm just really connected to the recovery community. So those uh, that are have gone through sobriety and, you know, on the other side of getting sober, they're looking for another career or they're looking at a fresh start. And so these are the three main groups of people that I feel are are dramatically, drastically underserved, they're overlooked, and they deserve an opportunity just as anybody else does. And I think that for our industry, it's a great opportunity for us. Like people are not lining up down the street to come work at your shop. So <laughs> I think this is a great, a great solution. So I've partnered with a number of organizations that provide services for these groups of folks and we're having them refer students to us. That way, as shop owners, we are not spending our time driving around, looking for people, going to these job fairs that, you know, we're just wasting our time. So I wanted to attract them to us rather than spending our time promoting ourselves to them. And that's phenomenal. Just that you, you had the foresight to think about these various groups that do need opportunities, you know, veterans mm -hmm. coming back who can't find the work they're looking for or like you said they miss that camaraderie that a shop can provide and they have the same sorts of technical skills that are that can be transferred to a shop or people in yeah, recovery absolutely. or the incarcerated who absolutely just want a second chance to do something with their lives and do something meaningful to give back and plucking from this pool of people and giving them skills that they can use to further their life is phenomenal yeah i mean who would be more motivated than someone that's looking at doing another 10 or 20 years absolutely so what does the training look like so let's say you know you've pulled some men in, men and women in. you've identified you know that these are people who are serious about taking on a career in the automotive trade how do you begin to train them 
Well, when I came up with the, the training program in the curriculum, I was reminded, um, I, I've tried to learn foreign languages before, right? And there are different methods you can use to learn a language. One is you can take, let's say Spanish. You take Spanish in high school for four years, right? You sit in class, you memorize verbs, you memorize all the vocabulary, you know, you try to learn the rules of the grammar. And, you know, after four years, you can barely order, you know, to-go food, right, in, in Spanish. Or, so that's option A. Option B is you can spend six months in a Spanish-speaking country. You can immerse yourself in the culture. You can immerse yourself in the, you know, the TVs in Spanish, radios in Spanish, all the, everything's in print is in Spanish. You will pick up the language much, much quicker. You will learn how to speak the language. You'll become fluent and you'll remember it your whole life, right? People will help you um, speak correctly, right? And to use the correct grammar. And I was thinking, how could I apply that to auto repair? Because I was thinking, yeah, you could go to a trade school. You could go to community college. You could sit in class. You could learn the theory. You learn how it all is supposed to work. And then you come to the shop and you're like, oh, that's not what I was shown. That's not in the book. Because that's what I see as in an independent environment, we have older vehicles um, and they're not, it's not always textbook. And so I created this program around that immersion style of learning. The other thing is this training model works in existing repair shops. So why is that? Well, we want to teach them on the cars that they're going to see when they become employed. They're going to see the same types of maintenance. The, they're going to learn how to use all data and Mitchell and look up the right fluids for the car and learn how to use, um, we're using Shopware. Thank you, Shopware, um, for helping us with that. We're training our students on Shopware so they can learn how to make a parts and labor estimate, how to import parts from different vendors. Uh, we're teaching them the safety aspects of working, how to use the shop equipment, um, and we're teaching all aspects of auto repair all at once, instead of having six weeks of electrical and maybe six weeks of suspension or brakes. They're learning it all at once, just like your cars come in. Some of them need an oil change. Some need a transmission service. Some need front brakes, front control arm bushings, and alignment, what have you. We're teaching all of it at once. We have a classroom where we can take time to teach the theory. And then we have right outside the classroom are three lifts where we can actually do the work on the cars. So that's a big way that this is going to work in the, the way it is working. And also we wanted to prepare our graduates for their first day of work. We not only wanted to create technicians that can do the work, we also wanted to create great teammates, great employees. And so that's our aim. We're also teaching them, our students, how to communicate, how to uh, leadership skills, how to, how to deal with conflict in a healthy way, uh, how to deal with just the, the processes of working in a shop and the stresses of, of that environment. So we're, we're really, our goal is to make a very well-rounded technician and a well-rounded and enjoyable teammate to come on board with you. Yeah. And I love the concept of immersion learning. I feel like that's, uh, to me, in my mind, I feel like that's really the best way to learn anything is just to immerse, mm -hmm. go all in. Absolutely. You know, and the other thing with this, uh, with this model working in existing repair shops, 
this is helping us scale our program very quickly because we don't have to find new locations. We don't have to lease or buy real estate. We don't have to buy equipment. We don't have to do any of that. It's all existing there already. And so we can just meet with shops. They can meet our criteria. We can decide together that this is a good fit for them. And we're also providing the technicians that are aging out of the industry due to health reasons or just the body you know, can't really take this type of work anymore. We're teaching them how to teach our method. So not only are shops getting to train apprentices in a, in a very efficient way, that we're also retaining the technicians in our industry and we're actually giving them a complete career path all the way to retirement. And so I, and, you know, as far as I know, as a technician ages, they have like one choice or two. One, they can be a service advisor or two, they can leave the industry. So we're providing a third option where they can hand down that knowledge to the next generation. Shops can retain that talent and that knowledge that they've worked so hard, you know, years to cultivate. We're able to keep it all at once and scale our program. So for shop owners who are interested in working with you guys to perhaps acquire an apprentice from you, how does that work? So uh, we'll have them reach out to us through our website. We have a contact form. Uh, you can just write, you're interested in hiring student graduates or you're interested in becoming a training center. So the shops that hire our graduates will have to meet certain requirements. So our tagline is elevating empowerment, education and elevating the automotive industry. And how we're elevating the industry is that shops that want to be able to employ our graduates are going to have to meet some strict requirements. They're going to have to provide a career, not just a job, a career path for our students. They're going to have ongoing education. They're going to have to have benefits, health insurance, uh, life insurance, those types of things, right? Paid holidays and vacations. They're going to have to have certain tool requirements. You know, their scan tools will have to be up to date. We, we want to put, we really want to place our, our graduates in an environment where they can thrive. You know, they're going to be with us for 10 months and then they're going to be learning on the job like we all do our, throughout our entire career. So the best way to get a hold of us is our website, our website, apacati.org. If the contact form comes straight to me, I'll reach out to you. We have some, um, we have an application process. We have, you know, you and I will have a, um, an interview, but we'll just find out what your goals are, a little bit about your shop and what's going on. And we'll go from there. Okay. And then on the flip side of that, shops can also become training centers, correct? Correct. And how does that work? Basically the same way. It starts with an interview. It starts with us making sure that we're a good fit for each other. And you don't have to have a giant shop to do this. You, you know, you can do this in a two bay, a three bay shop. The most important thing is that you have a mentor or we can find a mentor that lives in your area. Right. So that's part of it. The other part of it is, is when these training centers pop up throughout communities in the U S we're then going to have to reach out to military transition programs, pro probation and parole. We're going to reach out to these different networks and we'll also use the infrastructure that we've built to make new relationships in these communities. So it takes a little bit of effort, but honestly, we're, we're really paving the way to where we should be able to have uh, a shop become a training center within 30 days. That's our goal. Okay. 
Okay. Now the big question I'm sure maybe on the minds of shop owners who are listening is what's the cost? Like, does this cost me anything to either have an apprentice come from you or to become a training center or to send one of my people to train with you? Great question. So to become a training center, we're working on that as we speak. If we do charge a fee, it'll come back into the nonprofit to help perpetuate the program because our nonprofit is paying for the instructor. It's paying for leasing some of the space in your shop. And it's also paying a fee to, to use your equipment. So this is benefiting the shop who becomes a training center. We're sharing in some of the fixed expenses. We're also, let's say your shop foreman wants to become a trainer. We're going to pay the shop foreman now a salary. And then the shop foreman can make commission on whatever jobs that he works on for the shop. Um, we'll go more into detail with that. So there, there are a ton of incentives for the shop owner to become a training center. Shop owners that just want to get and hire our graduates, yes, they will pay a fee, kind of like a temp agency. It'll be um, something up front. And then, you know, over the first six months, it'll be a small fee every month. And again, it's not to make money. It's to continue to perpetuate the program. That's really what it's for. And also, I believe that anything of value, we have to have some skin in the game, right? There's no value in free. And so when we're, when we're forking out that hard-earned money, we're going to be more mindful of how we participate in the relationship. And something you've mentioned to me before was that, you know, you really firmly believe that if we can get shops to latch onto this program, to use it, to partner with it, that we really can start to make a dent in this technician shortage. Of course. Let's say, uh, let's say the average training center trains five technicians a year. And let's say there's 100 training centers. Well, there's 500 technicians. Imagine what this can be. I, I think the last figure I heard, there was like 300,000 independent repair shops throughout the U.S., yeah, I, I think we can handle. I think we can handle it quickly. The other thing I, I haven't mentioned is I believe that at some point what we'll do is we'll license the curriculum, and so if a shop wants to be a training center and they don't necessarily want to work with our demographics of having student referrals, they can find their own students and train them with our method. So I, I really want it to be available to everyone. So that'll also help us grow. Well, Chris, I really appreciate your time today. So you've got a wealth of knowledge regarding how to train, how to prepare the industry for apprenticeships, new technicians, and, and I'm wishing you the very best with APAC ATI. I feel like it's a, an amazing program with a real, just a real noble goal to do something great for the industry. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate your, your time. I appreciate Ratchet and Wrench very much. If anyone um, would like to get involved again, you can reach us through our website, APAC, A-P-A-C. ATI.org. Also, this is a nonprofit. And so we need donations. You know, we need money to keep the program grow going and growing. And so us investing in our in our industry would be very helpful. There's also a donate tab on our website. Uh, we'd be very grateful to have your support. Well, Chris, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Have a great day. You too. And that'll do it for us here today at Ratchet and Wrench Radio. May the rest of your day be the best of your day. And we'll see you next week.